comfort zone is a great noun. Even the word, saying the words relaxes me a notch. The dictionary defines your comfort zone as your it's a psychological thing where things are familiar, you feel at ease, you feel in control of your environment and therefore you experience low anxiety or stress. So tonight I'll be in my comfort zone driving home after church. There'll be little traffic on the road. I'm going home to relax. I'd be reaching the edge of my comfort zone if I was now driving into the airport for a drop-off, worrying which lane should I be in. Are we arriving or, or which... I've definitely left my comfort zone when I'm in the car, but in the passenger seat next to the child learning to drive. (laughs) What, though, would motivate you to choose to step out of your comfort zone? There are lots of quotes and images available on the internet which seek to motivate someone to step out of their comfort zone. So everything you've ever wanted is just one step outside your comfort zone. That's not even true. Don't put that up on your bedroom wall. Or progress takes place outside your comfort zone. That might be true. You know what lies outside your comfort zone? Opportunity. Guess so. The motivations with these quotes, though, are always selfish. It's so that you will grow more, so that you'll experience more of life. You'll get more out of life. You'll have a a better or more interesting life. They're always all about you. But today, I want to ask you to seriously consider stepping outside your comfort zone for the sake of somebody else. Because that's what the Apostle Paul did when grappling with a problem in the church at Corinth. So stay with me as we see Paul's comfort zone and then we'll see why he moved out of his comfort zone and finally we look at the two zone stepping examples Paul gives us here in the first half of chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. So first Paul's comfort zone. Paul's comfort zone was a truth about us and God and he states it there just at the end of chapter 10. So page 998 Page 998, just at the end of chapter 10, verse 17. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Paul is inspired by words by the old prophet Jeremiah in chapter 9, where Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, the Lord, who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth. So what Paul's saying is don't boast or put your confidence in yourself, your achievements, your ability, your wisdom, your intellect, the strength of your body or your weapons and tools or your wealth. Boast in having a relationship with God about knowing and trusting him because ultimately he is the real source of any strength we have. All those other things won't stand against the Lord who's sovereign and will see his will and plans come about. It's the Lord in whom we boast and having a relationship with him. And so Paul knows that it's foolish to boast about your own achievements or power or ability to commend yourselves in the eyes of others. The secret to life is to know 
and serve the Lord and look for his commendation. Paul's comfort zone is this relationship with God. He's serving the Lord, knowing his acceptance, his love and care and his discipline. His boast is about having a personal relationship with the Lord through the grace he's received in Christ. Paul's secure in his relationship with God and so he doesn't need to boast about himself to to lift himself up by putting others down and lifting himself over others because he knows one day Christ will return and that's when the judgment will happen and at that time Paul's praise will come from God. Oh, that we'd all have the same comfort zone, content to know and serve our Lord, trusting his love, care and discipline and secure in him, safe in the arms of Jesus, as the old hymn goes. Well, that's Paul's comfort zone, but here in chapter 11, he moves out of the comfort zone and it's really uncomfortable. So verse 1 of chapter 11, verse 1 of chapter 11 I hope you'll put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. By foolishness, Paul means boasting about his own achievements and himself. And you can see that better if you glance over at verse 16 of chapter 11, right after where Tim was reading. I repeat verse 16, Let no one take me for a fool, but if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I'm not talking as the world would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You see Paul stepping out of his comfort zone. He believes he should only boast in the Lord, but now he's in a new place. He's boasting, he's going to boast about himself, and he's always seen that as the speech of a fool, and now he's doing it, which is very uncomfortable. And you can feel his discomfort if you read verse 21. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. And next week we'll see what Paul goes on after verse 21 to boast about. But he's already begun to do some boasting here in the first half of chapter 11, which is why he's asked them to put up with a little of his foolishness at verse 1. And today we're just going to look at that first half of the chapter. Let's see why Paul moves out of his comfort zone. Why would you get out of your comfort zone? Would you get out of your comfort zone for the sake of someone else? That can be very hard. So if you don't like dress-up parties, but you go to the effort to organise a costume because the birthday girl has declared it a crayon party, so everyone has to come dressed top to toe in one colour only. Or it's your wife's birthday and she chooses the restaurant and it's Vietnamese and you're not sure about this. But you do it for her, hopefully without grimaces, muscle clenching and pained looks. Parents step out of their comfort zone when they're teaching the kids to drive. In chapters 10 to 13 of this letter, Paul moves out of his comfort zone for the sake of the Corinthians. He starts to speak of himself and his achievements and his actions because the Corinthians are in serious spiritual danger. They're at risk of being deceived by teachers of a message that will ultimately take them away from trusting Christ. So have a look at verse 2 to see that. Verse 2 of chapter 11. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. 
I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Paul is jealous for them with a godly jealousy. We think of jealousy as a bad trait to have. You hear the word and you imagine the ex-boyfriend stalker. But there's good jealousy as well. It's not the jealousy that wants to possess, but it's the jealousy that wants the best for the other person. Paul's here not worried ultimately that they're turning away from him and his message in himself. It's because as they turn from that, they're at risk of turning away from the content of his message, Jesus Christ. He's jealous for their relationship with Christ. He's anxious to see that it's preserved. In Revelation, there's a picture of the Christian church as the bride and as, the, and as Christ as the groom. And it looks forward to when Christ returns and their wedding will occur where Christ returns and takes his bride, the church, to be with him in their heavenly, eternal home. And Paul thinks like that here when he thinks of himself as the matchmaker, He's found the Corinthian virgin bride for Christ through his preaching of the gospel message. The Corinthians recognise that Jesus is their saviour and Lord and they have a relationship with Christ. In Paul's image, they've been engaged to Christ for that future eternity. But someone's come into Corinth and is in danger of despoiling the virgin. The Christians are being led away from their sincere and pure devotion to Christ, to trust in other things, uh, other husbands. And this is more, here you see, than Paul feeling upset that he's being replaced as the wedding organiser. This is more than the Corinthians have found a new minister and they like his sermons better. No, these new people at Corinth are preaching a different Jesus and a different gospel. Now, exactly what they're saying, we're never told, unfortunately. But we can tell from verse 22 of chapter 11 that the people who've come are Jewish background Christians. And so scholars guess that these people are coming into the Corinthians, teaching the Corinthians, oh, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. We believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. But he's the Jewish Messiah. So you need to start... Uh, obeying all the Jewish laws that God gave his his first people, the Jews. You need to follow the Jewish food laws and the other ceremonial purity laws. Somehow, however they put it, their teaching removes Jesus as the one sure way and only way to salvation and relationship with God. The Corinthians are Gentiles. They don't need to start adopting and trusting in Jewish practices. They've already got a full relationship with God through trusting in Jesus as their Saviour and Lord. Paul's worried that if they adopt these teachings, whatever they actually are, they're going to actually fall away from faith in Christ. So can you see how much is at stake here, how serious this whole situation is? It's enough 
to make Paul leave his comfort zone and cross in the, into the unfamiliar territory of boasting and comparison to the newcomers. Paul moves out of his comfort zone for the sake of others' salvation. So I want to read, want to work, look at you briefly with two comfort zone leaving examples from Paul's life. One thing to like about Paul is that there's no half measures with him. He's either all or nothing. So he doesn't want to engage in boasting and commending himself, only in boasting or commending in Christ. But when he steps out of that comfort zone for the sake of the Corinthians, he goes all in. So verse 5, I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. Is that what Paul's calling them as a bit of sarcasm or are they calling themselves super apostle? These newcomers to Corinth, I am not inferior to them. And he goes on to cite these two areas of difference between him and the super apostles. And as he does that, actually, he'll teach us something of the true criteria for measuring a genuine Christian ministry. The first one has to do with his preaching. Now, there are references in the letter to Paul not being a great speaker or orator. And remember with Dave last week, we learnt about how the air that they breathed in Corinth involved celebrity speakers who followed the very set uh, firm Greek rhetorical forms and could wow people by their flowery eloquence. Remember last week with Dave we saw Paul's insistence that while his speaking amounts to nothing, as some say, it was in fact powerful because what he spoke was the gospel of Christ which carries the divine power to demolish the strongholds of the hearts and minds of people who were opposed to God leading them to become servants and captives of Christ. And that's exactly what happened at Corinth with Paul when he was there in AD 50 to 52, where he spent a a year and a half establishing the Corinthian church. And now, in about AD 56, the Corinthians are being taken in by these new impressive speakers who fit the popular image of, of what a speaker should be like. What's Paul's comfort zone leaving response? Well, it's there at verse 6. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We've made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Wake up, Corinthians. How did you first come to know Christ? Who has written to you by this point four letters to help you sort out how to live as Christians in a pagan culture? Who has sent his right-hand man, Timothy, Titus, to help you? In every way, it should have been clear that Paul was God's appointed apostle to bring them the knowledge of God and relationship. Content matters more than eloquence in Christian ministry. Not to say that we don't work hard at our talks and, and try and make them engaging and things at all, but beware the fine speaker who says nothing, or worse, serves up falsehood. Listen to Paul, not the super apostles, be they the AD 56 type or the 2019 type. We have to be careful to ensure that we fill our heads and ears with 
what is truly in accordance with the teaching of Jesus. Be careful. Just because it's labelled Christian doesn't mean it is. It must truly be in accordance with the teaching of Jesus, Paul and the other apostles who've contributed to the New Testament. And that won't always be easy to discern, but don't just assume everything you read or hear labelled Christian actually is. As you know, our son Peter studies in Boston, but he's been working in Washington, D.C. for a couple of months during the American University summer holiday. He took some weeks to find a church in Washington. At one, he found the people very nice, the music really impressive and high standard, and the speaker very impressive. She was speaking on love for others. But something nagged him about what she said or didn't say, and so... He went home and looked at the church website and he looked at some of the stuff written on the church website and he saw a link to other work by one of their guest speakers. And looking at that made it clear to him that this church wasn't teaching what Jesus or the apostles wrote about human sexuality and relationships. It was a Christianised version of mainstream 21st century culture. I was encouraged that Peter had smelled a rat And needless to say, he looked for another church the following week. So that's the first area where Paul distinguishes himself from the super apostles. It's in the area of the teaching, the preaching. His second area, where he steps out of his comfort zone to, to highlight the difference between himself and the super apostle, concerns the receiving of material support from the church for his ministry. Paul had a principle for his ministry in Corinth that he would not be a financial or material burden on the Corinthian church when he was with them. Surprisingly, even this, did you see it in the reading? Even this got turned against him by the super apostles. You see it in verse 7. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I've kept myself from being a burden to you in any way and will continue to do so. Now, it probably seems really odd for you. Why would a church complain if someone provided ministry for free? We certainly don't complain with all that all of you do. (laughs) Paul has lowered himself, which means he's worked doing manual labour. He's worked as a tent maker, helping to support himself when he was in Corinth. And he's done it so they can be raised up by, in other words, they can be brought from being under God's judgement to be citizens of God's eternal kingdom. (laughs) What could be wrong with Paul making that happen for nothing? Well, again, it seems to be caught up with the Greek cultural air the Corinthians breathed. Those impressive speakers were professionals who charged for their services. For a speaker to refuse remuneration actually made people think he was a bit of a fake and his teaching wasn't worth anything. I guess it's an ancient form of, of that idea that you only get what you pay for. So this is amazing. One leader is even supposed to have said to Socrates, you know, one of their famous philosophers and teachers, Socrates, who had himself 
a rule that he didn't charge for his teaching, the leader's supposed to have said, well, while it might show that you're not greedy, it suggests you mustn't be wise that the knowledge you have is of no value. So the super apostles could sow a seed of doubt in the Corinthian mind who breathed this air about the worth of the things Paul taught. And they also seem to be twisting Paul's disinterest in the Corinthians' money into indication that he doesn't really care about them. That You notice he did take money from the Macedonians came and helped him when he was in Corinth. And so the suggestion seems to be, well, he'll take the Macedonians' money, he won't take our money, he can tell who he loves more. But Paul rejects all this. And he'll boast about not being a burden to them. Verse 10, as surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Archaea will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I don't love you? God knows I do. Paul's really had to step out of his comfort zone here. He's determined not to be someone that boasts about himself. But here he's going to be someone that boasts. He's determined to be someone that boasts about bringing the gospel free of charge because it's making the super apostles uncomfortable. It's another thing that Paul hopes will help the Corinthians realise the genuine character of his ministry. We've already seen that content matters in gospel ministry. He reminded that character matters in Christian ministry. Paul's boast is that he's never taken advantage of the Corinthians. His is a ministry motivated by love. Now, if you've been listening to earlier in our service, you are maybe thinking, well, this is a bit awkward, isn't it? Here we are, Paul talking about supplying ministry to the Corinthians without expecting any material support from them. And Greg has just got up and done a finance announcement in church because of our church finances. And you would have seen, and you would know from earlier times that, is it? 85% of the budget goes to pay Dave and I. Is that it right? Yeah, thought so. Why aren't we following Paul's example? Well, because if we did, we couldn't work here full-time. And I find the job requires my full-time attention. In fact, it's interesting. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul himself lays down the principle that gospel workers deserve their wages but then he doesn't avail himself of that right. One thing I insist of myself and of Dave is that we aren't a burden to you by being lazy. Similarly, we don't treat it as a 40 or 38-hour job. We're really thankful to everyone who supports us to work full-time in serving the Lord and his church. And and so we try to be a blessing, a net blessing, rather than a burden. Again, our character in our approach to our roles, it is crucial. Paul has really warmed to the task now he's stepped out of his comfort zone. He's made clear that he has a superior content to the teaching of the super apostles and has highlighted his character in working not to be a burden to the Corinthians. In the final few verses we're looking at today, Paul takes the gloves off completely He holds no punches here as he contrasts himself, the true apostle, against the super apostles. Ultimately, they're dangerous 
false teachers of the worst kind, Satan's agents. Isn't that strong language for harm of the Corinthians? Verse 13, such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. Paul has not been deceived, but the Corinthians are being deceived. So Paul has stepped out of his comfort zone and matched them boastfuls of boast because the Corinthians are in danger of turning away from Christ, of being led astray to a Jesus who is not the real Jesus by a gospel which is not the real gospel of the apostles at all, by a gospel that ultimately won't save them. We'll see more foolish, uncomfortable boasting by Paul next Sunday. And it has a surprising, life-changing twist, so don't miss that. But for now, can I ask, would you be like Paul? Would you ever do something way out of your comfort zone for the sake of someone else? The lifesaver on the beach in their comfort zone of sun shelter, hat, sunnies and fashionable red and yellow polo shirt will leave it to save someone caught in a rip. The question today is, as Christ person, what will you do outside your comfort zone for the sake of people's spiritual salvation? What will you do to help the gospel be proclaimed so that people encounter, believe and grow in Jesus? It may be something you find easy. Keep doing that. It'll be something outside your comfort zone if it makes you feel challenged emotionally, physically, financially, intellectually, and you have some level of stress or anxiety. You see that it's a right thing for us to step out of our comfort zone for the sake of others and the gospel. So ask a member of the CHASM team if they feel no anxiety or stress around CHASM, but we do it for the children to encounter Jesus, don't we? Maybe that's not you, but what about volunteering to be on the cooking roster for Lights Youth Group? Cooking for all the noisy teenagers won't be stress-free, but it will help the Lights leaders to run a night where the teens can encounter, believe and grow in Jesus. Would it be easy for you to organise your work so you could teach or help with SRE for an hour on a Tuesday morning at a local school? No, it wouldn't. So you might have to step out of your comfort zone to give up the money or the time involved. I always thought it was great that our former member, Pete Tracy, took time off from his accounting job to teach our SRE at Manly Village School a few years ago. Aaron, sitting over here in the comfort of our church, got out of his comfort zone on Friday during his annual leave. He could have stayed at home and watched reruns of the Sydney Roosters winning the NRL Grand Final last year. But no, he was down here crawling in the cavity under the upper hall floor, cleaning out the drain that was completely blocked and so part of of the cause of the big flood we had in March. I hasten to say Aaron's a plumber. He knew what he was doing. That's saving our church money that can be used toward paying Dave or I to proclaim Christ or toward our CMS mission commitment. Speaking of CMS or Ankara-E, is the step you need to make out of your financial security comfort zone to give a little more to one of these excellent missions, to help people in Uruguay or teens at local high schools to encounter, believe and grow in Jesus. Christian giving is never 
about giving within your comfort zone. It's never. It is always about being generous. And I think only you can measure what's generous for you, given your means. But as a test, it should be challenging enough that you have to think, oh, will I have enough? Oh, yes, God will provide my needs. You've all heard of the grey nomads travelling north for summer in their comfy vans. If you're retired, have you considered not joining your non-Christian peers in their aimless wanderings around Australia and the world, but talking to BCA about their Grey Nomads program, where you'll be directed to a small struggling church in a remote town. You can choose how long you go, a week or two or more. You could be a real blessing doing some odd jobs like the painting of the, of the building and, and joining with the members in their worship. I can imagine the people on Flinders Island, where we spent our long service leave or some of it, would welcome you in that way. I'm going to really be stepping out of my comfort zone when we put into practice Dave's Loving Our Neighbour Challenge to invite our neighbours over for a meal. We haven't done it yet. I came in, as you know, late July, and we haven't got to it. But one of the reasons we haven't got to it isn't just the time. It's because, for me, it's going to be a really big step. I feel so people exhausted when I'm around home. It's sort of a haven. But I need to do that. So they might grow the relationship and maybe we'll get a chance to something will come up and share about Jesus. Maybe for you, the step out of your comfort zone isn't with your neighbours, but you, what you need to do is join a local organisation just to mix with non-church people and, and grow your relationships. Maybe the surf club, do your bronze medallion or the community library, be a volunteer or Meals on Wheels or one of the bush care, land care groups. Or for you to step out of your comfort zone, maybe it'll be to invite someone to a church service or dynamites or lights or this week, the third Friday at St Mark's so that they can get to encounter, believe and grow in Jesus. Let's be like Paul, let's be willing to step outside of our comfort zone for the sake of someone else, for someone else's eternal salvation.